Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad that you're uh, here with us as we continue on in a series we're doing called Do You Want to Get Well? Do You Want to Get Well? And um, in this series so far we've been talking about spending time at the feet of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to read the word, to pray, and to worship so that we can experience the full and abundant life that Jesus came for us to have now and forever. That's where we've been spending our time over the last five weeks. Remember, we set this up out of John 5, an encounter that Jesus has with a man at the Pool of Bethesda who's been um, um, not well for a very long time. And, and uh, Jesus' question to him is, do you want to get well. And so we're digging into that question and what it means and what it looks like and the battle that we're in. And uh, like I said, over the last few weeks, uh, four or five weeks, we've been talking about, about the importance of spending time at the feet of Jesus in worship, reading the word, praying, uh, and, and, uh, and that we have, these are the things that will help us to make good choices and decisions in this life to, uh, to get well, to live well in him. Uh, in this series, we've also acknowledged that we have a very real adversary whose purpose is to steal life from us and that he uses trickery and deception and schemes to try and do it. And we've talked about how he attempts to use worry and fear and busyness to try and keep us distracted. Those have been the main points that we've looked at so far. Well, another one of the schemes that he uses is uh, he attempts to use guilt and shame to keep us from connecting with God. And that's why it's so important for us to understand the love that God has for us. And, and that we need to take this in, each one of us, in a very individual way. And not just sort of let it be in the corporate sense, you know, because he certainly does love the church. Um, and, and gone to great lengths, but that he did what he did at the cross for each one of us, and, and so he did it for you, and you need to be able to see what that means in your life in order to defeat this trick that the evil one uses, it's a very effective trick, it's, it's, uh, it's as, as good uh, a trick as he uses as all the other ones, you know, the worry and the fear and the busyness um, that keep us distracted. If he can keep us stuck in guilt and shame, then we will not experience the kind of life that we can experience um, in Jesus. And so we're going to talk about understanding the love that God has for us today and, and how um, that impacts us in our lives. First off, I thought I'd just share you with this before we jump in there because I, I thought it was funny. Um, I, I'm, I'm standing up here, and I, I get, I'm, I don't in any way feel old yet, but I'm 53, and there are things on me that... Um, that, you know, like I went running this morning and so my, my, my knees are hurting a little bit. Not bad, not like they could be, but I'm, getting, I'm making noises when I move around like somebody asked me what's wrong. I went for a run. And, uh, and you know, that, that would have never been the case, you know, 30 years ago. It would have been nothing. So as you get older, things happen. And I've been at the dentist for the last, you know, on and off for the last few weeks, getting some stuff done. And it's just, you know, and they're having to replace things. And it's crazy. You're, you, you, you start kind of catching up to you. Well, this joke. I have this story. I thought you'd like it. I liked it. So this, this older gentleman was, uh, was starting to think that his wife had a hearing problem. 
and he's trying to figure out if he's right or not. So one night he stands behind her while she's sitting in her lounge chair and he speaks very softly to her and he says, honey, can you hear me? No response. So he gets a little closer and again he says, honey, can you hear me? Still, no response. Finally, he moved right behind her and he said, honey, can you hear me? And she replied, for the third time, yes. I like that one. That's good. Okay. So now we can press on. The scripture reading for today is out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, a passage of some of my, uh, a chunk of some of my favorite passages of scripture. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. I love those verses. We, we have access into the very throne room of God. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by what he's done for us. And, and that we can draw near to a holy God now with sincere hearts and full assurance of faith because we've been cleansed. Um, uh, from our sin when we've asked for forgiveness because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But unless we really take that in and understand what that means and have a a good idea of who God is and what, what lengths he's gone to to be in relationship with us, then our adversary will try and use guilt and shame to keep us from there and to keep us from this process. So the very first thing in your notes we're going to talk about is this. Now, how you view God or how you perceive your relationship with him impacts everything. And so the first point is this. What is your picture of God? What is your picture of God? And I don't mean um, uh, when I say that, you know, um, um, what does he look like to you or what do you think that he looks like? That's not what I'm talking about. Um, my, my question is more, how do you, how do you view um, God in relationship to you? Uh, how do you think that, that God sees you? How do you, um, how do you feel like that, that relationship works out between you and a holy God? And we talk all the time here at the Vineyard. Um, it's one of the things you hear me do all, say all the time, and I've said it for years. We live here by trying to do the next right thing. I, I believe that that concept is a very biblical way for us to, to live. It's, it's part of living as, as followers of Christ, that, that somehow in, in trying to do the next right thing, we're, we're moving into the will of God for our lives. And, and yet, uh, as much as I talk about this, this way of, of walking with God won't work if you have a twisted picture idea of who God is and how he relates to you. And, and if you think that, that somehow... God is out to get you, um, that, that he's just waiting to pounce on you and punish you when you make a mistake, then, then you have a, a twisted picture of who God is. Um, when, when you experience difficulties in life, if your first thought is that God is punishing you for something, you have a twisted picture of who God is in your life. And, and you need to know this, that that as you're trying to live by doing the next right thing, um, you will sometimes choose not to do that. You will do the wrong thing. You will. All of us do it. We do it a lot. 
Um, and we're, we're trying not to. I tell you all the time, my heart every day is to do better than I did the day before. And some days are and some days aren't. Um, but, but in trying to do the next right thing and the choices that we make and understanding now that that's where the battle lies, do I want to get well? Do I want to do it his way or do I want to do it my way? And I'm, uh, you know, the next right thing is his way, but sometimes I choose to do it my way. And there this whole thing is going on all the time. But what you need to know is this, when you choose to do the wrong thing, um, when, when, you've, when you've gone in the wrong direction, when you've done it your way instead of his way, um, you need to know that, that when you sort of figure out uh, and it, it connects with you that you've done the wrong thing, you need to know that you can immediately turn and go running back to God and you run into his arms, his arms of love, and, and you tell him you're sorry and you ask him to forgive you and, and then he'll do that. And, and in the process... Um, you, you know, he, he'll, he'll love on you, and, 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 and you know, you, I, I, that's the picture I want to have, that you need to have, is of a, of a God who, who, as you run to him, he just picks you up, and he loves you, and he tells you it's going to be all right, and that he's with you, and that he's for you, and that he forgives you, and, and then he, he says, now go, and do the next right thing, and I'm going to empower you by my spirit to do just that. See, that has to be your picture of God. Um, when it's not that, you, you just sort of allow yourself to be fodder for the evil one and the way that he uses guilt and shame. Because he, he loves to keep you out of that relationship with God. See, the, the reality is we never earn it. We, we never deserve it. Um, and, and even as we live by doing the next right thing, that doesn't mean that we're somehow um, more acceptable to God because of that. Um, we're acceptable to God because of what Jesus did on the cross, all in him. And so um, we, we, because he loves us, we want to do the next right thing. That needs always to be what, you know, what is, is motivating us in life, not performance, but simply because we've been loved that we want to respond in doing the next right thing. And that you know, ultimately in doing the next right thing, we experience real life and not a counterfeit life that we so often settle for. So if you don't have a picture of God um, like this, as one who loves you and forgives you, um, this whole process of trying to walk with him this way falls apart. And God will always forgive you. You need to know that. He always. He just will always forgive you. Um, if, if, if there was a possibility that he wouldn't forgive you, if, if that were real, then you'd never go. So he always will. And, and this whole process is not something to take lightly. It was huge because of the cross. It's huge. I mean, you have to think about what it took for this to happen, that God himself came, lived among us, uh, and then endured what he endured with joy at the cross. A horrible thing. He did it for, for you so that, that this process could be in place, that we could truly be forgiven. And he did it because he loved you. And, and, and he loves you more than you can even begin to comprehend. Because at some level, we, we sort of get that we're a mess. And, and yet he loves us in the midst of it. And so there's two very short parables in, in Matthew uh, 13 that, that I want to share with you tonight. And they're, they're parables about a treasure uh, in a field and a pearl of great value. Matthew 13, 44 through 46, these are the parables. Say so that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went out and sold all he had and brought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had 
and bought it. Now these um, parables are presented in a parallel way, which means that, that Jesus presents these two parables to include the same idea. And these parables are usually talked about um, in, in the way where a disciple, a follower of Christ, needs to have an attitude that there's nothing more important or valuable in life than following Jesus. And, and in fact, that is part of what these parables represent. But there's another meaning to be found in these parables, and, and that's what I want to talk about tonight. And so the second point is this, and, and this is how you need to see those parables, is that you are the treasure. You are the treasure. Matthew 13, 44, let me read it, this part again. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now, I want to look at that parable, parable and I want to consider that Jesus is the man who found it and purchased it. Jesus bought the field to get the treasure. Jesus paid for all sin, for all time, for all people, so that he could get your sin for this time and pay for it, and deal with it. See, you're his treasure. It's you he's after. He paid it all so he could have relationship with you. You're the reason he went to the cross. That's why he paid this great price. You, for you, he did it just for you. And he would have done it only for you. Because he loves you that much. You're, you're a treasure in a field. You're the treasure hidden in the field. And he, he paid all that he had so he could have you in the process. Similarly, point three is you're the pearl. Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, there's a considerable difference between a pearl merchant, which is what the parable talks about, and you and I uh, uh, buying a pearl. Um, you know, I, I don't know much about buying pearls. I know that, you know, you're supposed to like rub it on your teeth or something. Um, and the only reason I know that is because I've seen people do that. I never really know what I'm feeling for. Uh, and, and you could, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, but a pearls merchant, a pearl merchant, um, his life was based on a quest for pearls. And this pearl merchant found a pearl so amazing that he was willing to give everything to have it. Guess what? Jesus is the pearl merchant in this story, and you are the pearl. Jesus came and found such beauty and potential in you that he gave it all so he could be in relationship with you. See, we need to grasp the magnitude of the love that God has for us. And, and that knowing that he loves us this much, knowing that he sees such beauty and potential in us, it will help us to deal with our sin rather than try to hide it. And when we deal with it, we don't allow the evil one the ability to use it against us in shame and guilt. That's the, the whole thing that happens. We have to know that we're loved 
so that we can stand in, in, in the presence of a perfect holy God and, and that he loves us so much that we can go with our mess and he still loves us. That's what we have to understand. So, so point four, how do we deal with our sin? How do we deal with it? So we're not stuck in guilt and shame. How do we deal with our sin? And what we have to do with our sin is we have to confess it to God. We have to confess it. And the word in Greek for confess is homo logeo, which literally means the same word. The same word. Confession is not saying, God, I'll never do it again, because you may not be able to back that up. That's not confession. Confession is saying, you're right, God. I was wrong. Your word is right, what I did wasn't. You're right, I'm not. That's confession. See, that's why it's so important for us to read the word. That's why I get in there. We gotta know what we're supposed to do so that we're not stuck on points that, that we shouldn't be. And, and confession is when we realize that we're doing it our way instead of God's way, we go and, go and we say, God, you're right, I'm not. That's confession. Just going and say you'll never do it again doesn't deal with the issue. You're right, God. I want to do it your way. Help me, God, to do it your way. I don't want to keep doing it my way. See, that's the difference in confession. It's agreeing with God and his word. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. So here's the thing. Even though we know our brokenness, and even though we have an adversary who wants to use guilt and shame to try and steal life away from us, the life that we can have and enjoy, the full and abundant life that Jesus came to give us, um, we, we have to understand that, that we can enter into the literal presence of God where we are seen in Christ as clean and purified so that we can connect with him. See, we have to push past that, that place where we off, so often get stuck. We get that we're a mess. But because he loves us so much, and, and because when we've done the wrong things, we go to him and we confess it. You are right, I'm wrong. Then we have to know that, that what happens is we are made new, whole, clean, pure. He sees us in Christ. We're purified from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 10, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. So, let no guilt, let no shame, let no fear, let no worry, let no distractions, let no tricks from our adversaries steal away the now and forever full and abundant life that Jesus came to give you because he loves you. And if you don't remember anything else that I say today, remember this. You are his treasure. You are his pearl. Great prize. Hold on to that this week. Just think about that every day. It'll, it'll, it'll help you in your, in your decisions to get well and to make better choices. Amen.
Amen. If you've been watching um, on television or by video, thank you so much. We appreciate how, how um, valuable your time is and that you spend it with us. If there's anything we can do for you, please uh, send us a, an, uh, an email or uh, go to the website and hit the contact page or the prayer page or call us and uh, we'd be happy to take care of that um, for you, okay? So uh, thanks again and come and visit if you can when you're in Big Pine. We'd love to see you.